not necessary that you know you need to climb Everest to you know prove yourself. Climbing uh, climbing a mountain is secondary, but first is to climb it from here. You may be a doctor, you may be an engineer, you have your own Everest in life. So achieve them. Considered one of the most dangerous places to be. There are no chances that you will be alive. Uh, long back, you know, a few years ago, there was a big avalanche in the Kumbu, and uh, I think around 13 or 14 Sherpas they got caught and died. आज की ताजा खबर बेंगलुरु में रहने वाले लू और अमेरिका में रहने वाले सेट आपसे कुछ बात करना चाहते हैं संगीतकार राजस के साथ आपका स्वागत है वॉट्स गोइंग ऑन पीपल I am Sid and welcome back to another episode of Lucid. The listeners of this podcast know that I'm a huge trekking fan and I make it a point to trek a Himalayan range at least once a year. This year I trekked the mighty Pangarchula peak and got to see some beautiful peaks along the trail. For some reason this time I felt like I needed to trek the Everest some day. But I have no clue how to do that. So I'm like let's bring in an expert. I am super stoked for this episode. to be talking to the man Kevel himself who has submitted the Everest and the adjacent peak Lotse in a record time of 6 days so hi Kevel how are you doing today hey hi said i'm doing great how are you i'm good bro how have you been bro how, uh, how uh, what have you been up to recently oh recently i have uh, you know been resting uh, because after my last mm-hmm. 8000 meter peak that mount kanchenjunga so i got mm-hmm. some injury and i had to you know rehab and recover from that so um right. i was not rushing things because i know i want to go back and climb again so right. yeah i was recovering and yesterday i had a very good hike in the western ghats so it was amazing yeah no wonder i can see the glow in your face is like going back to nature and the mountain magic it's called the mountain nature. magic yes yeah <laughs> so kevel uh like tell me your origin story bro like what was your calling for, like to the mountains where did this all start uh i would say it started long back like you know as a kid uh i was very much into sports like an athlete you can say and uh, my parents you know they saw me in the school days and they are like you know we have this uh, summer vacations and they are like what what, right. what are you going to do how are you going to utilize them So as a 90s kid I said okay you know I would play video games they were the you know trending thing Mario Contra and uh, I would spend some time playing badminton chess or you know maybe something outdoors like cricket etc uh with my friends and that's it that's I'll spend my two months so they said okay can you give us 10 days I said uh-huh. yeah sure why not but for what they're like we would like to send you to a trek in Manali and uh, it's not a easy trek it's called chandrakhani pass which is like around 10500 feet above sea level and you will have snow you will have to trek to the forest in the high altitudes and everything during that time it was not the internet era so we did not have much of knowledge where are we going what are we doing only the thing is that the agency with which you we used to go they used to give us a things to bring list and we has we right. used to carry that 
and the temperatures here go beyond like 30 35 degrees celsius whereas on comparison to there in manali it was going to be like um, 5 degrees and 0 degrees so it has never been right. sub zero where i i used to live and i was in my 7th grade a 13 year old and you know first time going outdoors so i said oh okay you know it was sounding exciting and fun and i went for it and when i went uh, i got mesmerized you know you see this huge peaks which are snow covered and you are so right. excited and thrilled to look at them and the nights especially you know i used to sit outside my tent and look at the stars gaze them i could see the milky way because there was no pollution etc so this there was something that happened to me and i left my soul in the mountain and i came back i felt very incomplete i'm like oh my god what are we doing here you know the the feeling that i had there is gone it's missing now so then i decided every year to enroll for a hike and year after year i started going out and then i found okay this is my thing you know i have to take this further no matter what because it gives me peace mm-hmm. and i want to follow my heart right so then i developed the passion then i uh, you know <clears throat> started reading mountains started eating mountains started thinking mountains wow yeah everything like say uh, if i have to uh, fix a diet it was according to the mountains what would i eat in the mountain so that i get used to and accustomed to that diet also my body gets you know used to it healthy food and you know healthy lifestyle and i i, I would say that you know everything changed and mountaineering became my lifestyle it's like a way of living now for me so yeah this is how all it began and then it grew and prospered wow before i move further i have like one question yeah. where were you staying when you were in your 7th grade uh so i used to stay in a place called thane so uh okay. it it is in the you know heart of uh, mumbai like near mumbai maharashtra right india yeah right so mumbai is like one of the hottest places from there in 7th grade going to manali and doing a trek yeah. wow <laughs> i can't imagine <laughs> the temperature difference yeah, yeah but like the next part is like okay uh you every year you went on a hike uh you fell in love with the mountains again and again but then uh like after school like what did you do like what did you pursue so um you know as a career i uh, you know being a teenager i was very much fascinated by bikes cars so <clears throat> you know it was always a dream to do automobile right. engineering so i passed out my 12th so i took you know ele- okay. uh, electronics uh, science etc and i got into engineering mm-hmm. but when i was in my okay. third year of engineering i realized that okay you know this is not giving me peace and happiness i am doing things and i am really good at it but what next you know after completing engineering i might pursue a job but that would not satisfy my passion and my passion had mm-hmm. grew so big that you know uh, maybe taking a holiday from work for 15 20 days would not at all satisfy it. i wanted something you right. know like uh, say out of 365 days hiking for 300 days that would you know definitely be my thing so then i you know stopped like i quit engineering in my third year for my passion i enrolled in a mountaineering institute in india i did my courses like basic mountaineering course advanced mountaineering course basic skiing course intermediate skiing course and finally after getting a certification from the government of india i started training and you know uh, being practical in the mountains more by climbing small peaks 6000 meters 7000 meters etc so my skills were at the test 
actually in the mountains and that is how you know i started my professional journey into mountaineering and recently uh, i thought okay you know uh, i should do something more like you know mountaineering is more of a mental sport and uh, it has given me a lot and healed me a lot in any which ways so i should uh, you know in return do something so i pursued i completed my graduation in psychology and philosophy oh. and uh, yeah now i am aiming to maybe you know try my hands on psychology i could help other athletes to remove that mental mm-hmm. block so it's a try let's see if you know i can do it for wow that. yeah that's really interesting but the interesting question is like you did the typical career path yeah. of engineering yeah. it, like in india it's either engineering or medical yeah so the important question is how did you convince your parents i know that your parents were the ones who sent you on your first trek but yeah. how do you convince your parents to uh, for you to drop out of college and directly start your cu- career in professional mountaineering where in india it's not a huge uh, career path that is generally chosen uh i would say <clears throat> back then yes it was really you know uh, like a thing because uh, i talk about the 90s and uh, during that time it was all about career orientation etc and me being from a gujarati family we have always been into business okay so it's like right. business is in our blood and you have to you know like uh, follow that and yeah i got criticized by uh, many of my you know relatives etc but i would say my family you know my sister my mom my dad they were a strong uh, supportive force and they told me that nothing is more important than your personal happiness you know if you are not happy do not do it because whatever we do we are living for our own happiness there is no assurance to life what will happen tomorrow but what is important is today and if you live your today then only you can be happy tomorrow right so i think uh, that is what their uh, teaching was to me and uh, they were always supportive they said you want to do this go for it do that do you want to do this definitely go for it do that so they never you know stopped me and uh, they said that your destiny lies in the mountains of made be they accepted it happily and they in fact supported me pushed me and they said you know whatever help you need from rn we are ready to give that so i think that gave me a lot of boost and confidence and it made things easier so it was not such a difficult task to convince them but mm-hmm. i think they saw my passion and they saw that the fire that they ignited has now taken a big big holy place so i think they went with it and you they definitely respected my decision wow that's amazing <laughs> that's really amazing and the second thing i want to know is uh, you told that you did all these courses the basic mountaineering course advanced course so that uh, uh, you get a certification in uh, mountaineering yeah. and then you mentioned this important thing that you were trying to uh, uh, trying to summit small peaks like 6000 meter peaks yeah when you say small peaks i think of like 800 meter peaks 1000 meter peaks and you directly went to 6000 meter peak so i want to know like the journey from where you were initially trekking uh 1000 2000 meter peaks and you went to 6000 meter peak and you mentioned that one important thing right you were thinking about the mountains you were reading about the mountains you were eating about the mountains so tell us more about that like that whole journey from like a 1000 meter peak to climbing a 6000 meter peak it was an absolutely beautiful uh, you know part of my uh, career because i learned so much things you know i was very raw 
I didn't know knew much about the mountains and slowly I started studying climate weather the different types of clouds the formation so you know in the outdoors it is like we say the weather changes every second you cannot predict no matter how good you are and the best way to see a weather is open your tent how good it is today and how it's going to be so therefore that you need to have good knowledge what type of clouds are forming how is the pressure the barometric pressure etc so i started reading books on that as i said you know before there was not much about internet the internet has been developing since the past few years but before it was very difficult i'm talking about like 16 years from now like you know that period was different and uh, yeah so uh, you know whatever details were available to go hiking in the himalayas like a 10 day hike or a 6 day hike i used to do that and then i used to see what you know uh, altitude we are attaining and then i saw that after 10000 meters the tree line vanishes after that is the grasslands and everything and after some time it's all about moraine glaciers and you know snow and ice and only three colors were visible so i thought okay what lies more you know what is the mystery that i can solve or you know i can become like the sherlock holmes of the mountains and go ahead so that wow. curious yeah it was it was a curiosity you know that excitement i'll see something new tomorrow i'll find something new i'll make a discovery so in the beginning stages right. you don't know what is going to be ahead and you know i'm not talk to much like minded people that i can understand how it is there and to frame that in your mind is difficult what you see visually is something that is really important that convinces you if you tell me about a name like a ice i will not understand what is a ice i will think this is a ice unless and until you right. spell it right but when you say uh, a glacier and a ice and when i actually go there and i see it i can imagine now you know right so that right, gives me right. a clear picture so then i started hiking in the himalayas for few years and i i did not want to rush i just wanted to go slow and steady because i wanted to learn i did not wanted to accomplish anything but i want to achieve myself so in that process i went to various like in india itself you know you have the beautiful himalayan range it's a huge range and in that yeah. range you know you have uh, different mountains in ladakh then you have different mountains in himachal pradesh that's manali region then you have different mountains in rishikesh uttarakhand region every mountain is you know so beautiful and has its own features and characteristics so i went there i saw i learned then i came back and then i saw okay you know uh, hiking now is pretty much my game i am really doing good and i started working as a guide also so somewhere or the other you know okay. i had to support myself earning because to climb a peak it's really expensive so i started saving money and you know utilize that for my climbing expeditions and my first 6000er was mount devtibba and i would say you know uh, it came one month prior to a failed expedition to mount hanuman tipa so mount hanuman tipa okay. is approximately 5932 meters but it is technically very challenging and you know just completed my courses and i went out i didn't know which weather to go and everything and i rushed immediately because you know that there, there is this oh now i'm climbing exactly. yeah and now i'm a certified mountaineer now i'm climbing but then i realized and the mountain taught me that experience also matters a lot you can right. aim right. and think any mountain in your mind to climb but mm-hmm. what is important is to first understand the mountain be a part of that mountain and third is to you know be to level up yourself to that mountain not bring that mountain down right so then right i you know i came back home and i was so uh, like not satisfied with myself and I, you know one month i was so restless 
and you know i i didn't know what's going on i was like can i climb mountains or not why not why did not happen the weather was so bad it was snowing and we pushed ourselves hard but still we couldn't climb so many questions in mind right. and then right. i said okay let's try once more so mm-hmm. after a month i directly attempted mount deotibba uh, which is like 6001 meter and uh, yeah. i made it to the summit and you know that was the phase where i said okay now i am not turning back i'm not thinking negative i'm only thinking positive that failure and success is a part but the only thing is i was not prepared for that mountain specifically now i need to prepare mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so uh, you know like uh, the very next year i came prepared and i climbed that mountain easily so wow that's amazing yeah. i think like after that you climbed like multiple uh, yeah 6000 multiple peaks, peaks like yeah. mount yeah mount friendship mount uh, lobushe east yeah. uh, stoke kangri yeah. mount manasalu all these peaks so uh, as you said like i i i've not trekked as much as you but i've trekked around like four uh, four peaks like one in assam sadakpu yeah. the brahmatal trek the yeah. uh, pangarchula peak and the chadar trek and as you said like every trek is different like what are uh, your some of the fondest memories out of all these uh, all these treks like uh, where is the place that you saw the most beautiful sunrise sunset flora and fauna Uh, as you mentioned sandakpu so i went to sandakpu in 2018 before the lockdown uh, 2019 mm-hmm. actually yeah and uh, okay. during that time uh, i was you know sitting at sandakpu and right bank front you see the sleeping buddha that con- that is like complete of mount yes kumbhakarna then you have the stomach formation of mount kanchenjunga and so on so there is kaburu north south kaburu dome so many peaks clustered in that but the best correct. part was looking at it so it appears like a sleeping buddha like buddha is sleeping correct so when yeah. i saw that i was literally moved and such a divine feeling i uh, saw the sunrise there i saw the sunset there i saw the evening and i p- posted pictures on my instagram and people went insane they are like oh my god what destination is this and you know how <laughs> and uh, yeah that is one place i really love and definitely you know uh, in the mountains every th- uh, like every uh, scenario is so beautiful uh, ev- every uh, condition has been my best like i went to kashmir um, i did tarshar marshal lake trek and that glacial lake of tarshar is so beautiful it, it reminded me of switzerland like you know i used to see wow switzerland in the images and when i see this it's yeah. almost the same so right that was one beautiful moment and uh, when i was doing stokkangri in winters one of my toughest mm-hmm. climbs i would say it may be a 6000 meter non technical peak but once i did in winters the temperatures dropped beyond minus 40 degrees celsius the wind was around uh, you know 30 40 degrees celsius and everything was frozen uh, my nose my face uh, in fact i got a frost wow. frostbite on my thumb as well you know digging the route oh wow yeah so it Damn. took us like okay. around um, uh, 1000 meters from the base camp to the summit and back so it took us like 22 plus hours in the cold and we were dehydrated right. severely and yeah it was a crazy experience i would say but then i had more confidence in myself and then i right. you know learned one big lesson that what mind can do you know mm-hmm. i thought i would not survive here and we will not be able to live you know we have made a wrong decision and everything but no i said the mountains that i love cannot leave me like this 
and right i just told them that you know uh, whatever you decide is your final decision because it's not in my hands it's in your hands but i just want to tell you mm-hmm. that if i'm alive today i'll not give up i'll still climb 10 more mountains tomorrow no matter what and then that made me more strong and then when i came back i was like okay you know like i have to keep climbing because i made a promise to the mountains and also i felt you know that they are my best buddies now i could interact with them spiritually right. so i think that helped me grow with other mountains as well wow that's amazing i i want to talk to you about this uh... you know the this experience of your most difficult trek in stoke kangri and uh, i was i was reading it on the papers and i was shocked i'm like first of all who does stoke kangri in the winter because generally it's closed yeah. so tell us like why do you decide to do stoke kangri in the winter and uh, i i saw that you did it with like a couple of your friends so can you tell us more details about this whole experience uh yeah sure so i climbed stoke kangri thrice before Uh, that is in the spring okay. season in the autumn season but these were very okay. favorable conditions and it was like a walk through on the top because it's not that technical you know it's more about endurance right. you are doing long distance hikes and everything and i decided okay you know people were telling me uh, that you know um, you are born and meant to do something different so that word different came in my mind again and again and i said what mm-hmm. can we do to make this mountain not sound so easy let's do something right. different on this so maybe there mm-hmm. i had two options one was to do a different route a new route on the mountain and one was right. to climb it in winters because nobody has climbed ever in winter so and that to alpine right. style so alpinism is one thing that i really love the most so i said okay you know so can you tell what is mo- what is alpinism uh, alpinism like, is uh, you know climbing on your own self sustained no guides no uh, okay. yeah no porters no mules you have to carry everything like suppose tent sleeping bags your own climbing gear right. everything you have to oh. climb on your own cook on your own meals and everything it's not organized right. okay yeah so yeah so i i said okay you know just like it's very good and i should go ahead with this and then finally uh, i decided to do it on the 14th of feb like go for the summit push and everything and uh, two days of bad weather still we managed to you know leave on the night of the 13th feb and we submitted on 14th feb evening around 5:30 6 o'clock i remember you know the sun setting and it's all cloudy up there and it's snowing a uh-huh. bit and i could see k2 in far very faintly so it's k2 right. is visible from there and it was a mm-hmm. splendid view and uh, while coming down it was evening so two nights on the mountain in such cold weather and then you know with one hand i was digging the snow because it was snowing and it had don't like the accumulation of the snow water around 1 and a half 2 feet so i had to dig that oh, make a path and go okay. down so my i was wearing two layers of gloves like mittens and gloves right. both but still my uh, fingers went cold because you know we had um, uh, exhausted our supplies of water in this time and right. then you know because of dehydration the frost bite started kicking in and everything so Uh, it was wow. a very crazy yeah. experience and i really right. um, have fond memories of it i remember each and every day and still when i'm on the mountain i see to it that that you know i never forget this time and i cherish it and i learn right. from it so i keep on repeating this and you know i keep in my mind that I, what i have to do and what i have to not do so i think this was right, one of right. my one of the best clients yes wow 
I was watching a YouTube video where uh, you're recording yeah. the summit of uh, this yeah. and your whole face is covered with ice I, and yeah. I'm like damn <laughs> I I couldn't feel my nose it became hard I thought oh it's going to uh-huh. get frostbitten and I'm going to lose it but then I immediately oh, took okay. a cloth and I started you know like with my right, breath right. I warmed it and I start warming my nose and I'm then descending and oh. it it was crazy crazy and yeah it was literally crazy yeah Wow yeah. okay another question i have is like as you said about alpinism where you carry all your stuff uh, on the trek so how heavy do, do these bags weigh like when you do such kind of stuff or uh, depends so what are you carrying you know usually mm-hmm. before the gear that was available was very heavy like a tent weighed around 3 and 1/2 right. to 4 kgs etc or maybe 6 kgs mm-hmm. and uh, the food packet so you know we take dehydrated food packets etc on the mountain the protein bars so it depends on the number right. of days but i think an ideal uh, alpinist rucksack you know can weigh somewhat around 25 to 30 kgs minimum okay so that's like you know the okay. bare minimum what you carry it's 25 to 30 mm-hmm. kgs and if it's a technical mountain with more gear etc and everything then it goes beyond so you have to be prepared right. to carry at least 30 to 40 kgs then you can manage with the 25 30 kg slab oh okay got it got it understood so after this experience you've uh, you've done you've crossed the 6000 meter barrier and then the next part is like the top 14 peaks the 8000 meter barrier i think now everyone knows the top 14 peaks of the hit netflix documentary yeah. 14 peaks so i want to know from you like from from 6000 meter to uh, you know climbing your first 8000 meter what was that like what was the journey and uh, what was like the training you had to do uh, you said you know the diet matters the studying matters so what did you do to you know uh, climb your first 8000 meter peak um you know uh, since long when i did my courses uh you are into a environment where everybody is learning mountaineering and you have so many friends with you who are also equally training and the only question in the mind of the people were everest i have to climb mount everest i have to climb mount everest i've been listening that and i was like okay we have read in the books that you know mount everest is the highest mountain in the world it's like the top of the world and but i was not so convinced so i said okay let's do some research i read a book then i realized that you know uh, there are this 14 peaks and uh, you know i had i read about few climbers like uh, ed vustris being one of them so you know ed vustris is from usa and he became yeah. the you know uh, first climber from usa to some submit all these mountains without oxygen in 2005 right. he completed his long uh, journey of you know climbing all the 14 8000s so yeah i said okay you know it sounds very good and challenging 14 8000 and you know uh, in the mountaineering mm-hmm. fraternity or the mountaineering world it is considered you know as a grand slam and you know it's like a challenging thing uh, to do for a mountaineer the topmost thing so if you have to Correct. be a professional and if you have to test your skills and abilities this is the perfect platform because you know i did uh, hiking i know i was comfortable there then i did 6000 as comfortable then i was like okay what next So then it comes the last mm. one that is eight thousand meter peaks, and today I have successfully climbed six eight thousand meter peaks out of the fourteen. Wow! And okay. uh, yeah, so uh, there are only two peaks that are left in Nepal uh, as a climber for me to climb. 
and those are kanchenjunga and makalu that i'll be attempting soon when i started my journey okay. i did not aim for everest directly that okay i have to directly go to mm-hmm. everest first i thought of doing some other 8000 meter peak and you know just seeing how my body does uh, which is a bit lower than everest because everest is like 8848 meters that is like you know yeah almost 9 9000 meters mm-hmm. and what i did was uh, manas tulu first in 2017 and you know uh for that i used to train like insane from before i used to do cycling i used to do running and i used to train like 6 to 7 hours a day i used to wake up at 4 in the wow. morning and do meditation okay. for uh, half an hour 45 minutes then i used to do yoga then i used to do cycling running etc then some rock climbing indoor gym outdoor etc and then hiking obviously and some ice climbing and everything so it was a clubbed mixture of all these activities the aim was mm-hmm. to keep yourself in the outdoors and used to the environment and the nature secondly to you know uh, develop a body that could sustain the hardship of the mountains that was the aim right. so uh, you know when i did these activities i realized that okay if i am tired cycling 10 kilometers today then after two days if i do it again i'll be more comfortable and i can do 12 so that was how i started right. you know pushing and made my whole itinerary and this staircase climbing has been very good like in the monsoons if i couldn't go out so then i used to climb staircases with weights on my back and on my feet i used to put anklets of 1 to kgs and climb staircases oh. like say 500 stairs 600 stairs up and down so that really right. yeah that really helped me a lot and you know as i said that it's all here and uh, if i think i'm tired and exhausted and i'll give up but if i think i have to do this then it becomes easier so when i did my first 8000 in 2017 uh <clears throat> my sherpa became sick at camp 3 and you know okay. i had to give him a injection like a dexamethasone shot and uh, okay. i decided to go for the summit i was climbing without oxygen so till mm-hmm. the camp 4 7450 meters i did not use oxygen i slept without oxygen at that altitude while going for the summit push also i did not use oxygen i had carried it as a spare thing but i did not use oxygen till 7980 meters so 20 meters away from the dead zone that is the 8000 meter mark and i was really doing good but then my sherpa's health started deteriorating and then okay. uh, you know we had three bottles of oxygen two for me and one for him but uh, mm-hmm. already uh, he used one because he was not acclimatized and not well and then uh, he was right. using the second one and it was half used and we just had one mm-hmm. bottle and i said okay if i do not and i was you know without oxygen you go very slow your pace decreases and i said right. okay if i do not use this now and if he reaches the summit and turn back and if his oxygen also finishes up and i fall into trouble then it will be difficult for both of us so i calculated right. it then there and then we decided okay you know we are climbing this mountain with oxygen we are going faster now and then you know uh, we'll see so immediately i turned on mm-hmm. oxygen i put my mask and we went up we submitted we came back to camp 3 and then you know that we called off the day and next day i arranged for some help to get him down carried some extra okay. weight that he was carrying and then we reached base camp so it was again a huge learning uh, and i was so happy that this did not happen near everest because if it did not happen in an everest yeah. i i would have not been alive later on the next year I decided, okay, let's climb Mount Shoyu. So, uh, in uh, first, mm-hmm. I was supposed to climb Everest, but because of the frostbite right. in February, I couldn't climb in March. I had to heal and recover. So, in 2018, right. I climbed Shoyu, which is the world's sixth highest mountain in Tibet, China. Right. 
and mm-hmm. uh, you know when i was climbing that mountain uh same thing at the base camp my sherpa became sick and i was left alone now i was like oh, okay, wow, okay you know it's like climbing a mountain that is so big like 8000 meters which i have never been to and uh, mm-hmm. the ropes were fixed and i have to follow them so the route was not a problem but the difficulties right. were like carrying your own tent carrying your own oxygen your own food and then mm-hmm. you know if you fall into difficulty somewhere you become stuck or something like that you have to manage and get yourself alive down on your own so you know that yeah. gave me chills and i literally mm-hmm. said oh freak we have to do this come on we cannot give yeah. up here Right. and i went for it successfully climbed it without a sherpa all by my own you can say solo and then next year wow. i said okay after getting such good experience now it's not just that i will do only everest not possible and then i read that no indian had climbed everest and lots of together they have been trying but they were not successful so i said why not right. give it a try so then i increased mm-hmm. my training endurance and everything and then i was able to do that i could have done it in few hours but the problem was that that you know after everest the weather turned bad so we had to you know descend down to okay. base camp uh, so camp 2 and i okay. waited at camp 2 right. for 2 days and then i came back again and climbed lot say from camp 2 so yeah wow okay so there was the more about your that was the insane journey of my 8000ers yeah wow that's really amazing so uh, you, i think you Did your first eight thousand eight thousand meter peak in twenty seventeen? Yeah. Uh, how many more years did it take to do the other six peaks? Uh, so basically, you know, two thousand seventeen, I climbed uh, uh, Manas Tulu. Two thousand and eighteen, I summited Choyu. Then two thousand and nineteen, I climbed Everest and Lhotse both. Twenty uh, twenty, okay. I was supposed to climb Annapurna, but because of the COVID. Okay. that year you know mm-hmm. uh, we did not do anything like nothing so there was right. no climbing in 2020 right. 2021 right. i went back and i climbed mount annapurna which is the world's most dangerous and deadliest mountain one of them so i climbed that right. after that i attempted dholagiri but uh, you mm-hmm. know bad conditions lots of snow lots of avalanches etc so we all had to turn back nobody submitted and you know we stopped right and this year in 2022 i submitted uh, dholagiri and so basically it took me 6 okay. years uh, uh, climbing continuously and excluding one year which we did not climb any mountain so 5 years yeah. in total for 68000 wow that's really amazing and one small detail you told was uh, in your first two uh, in your second track that the ropes were already fixed right? yeah, yeah so Gen- uh, generally uh, like when i go on treks there are already guides who know a yeah, path the, yeah. the route is already set yeah. so for peaks like this where it snows a lot yeah. uh, can you t- uh, tell me how the routes are actually set like who sets these routes and how do they decide which is the route to go uh, so basically what happens is there is a team of sherpas suppose i am climbing with a team now there is no specific mm-hmm. path only rock and ice everywhere so right, uh, you know right. we decide a phase like a mountain has different phase suppose north northeast south southeast so first we decide mm-hmm. a route through which we will climb okay and mm-hmm. usually many people they climb to the normal route because it's much safer and we know uh, that we have a data of that route few alpinists right. who want to push their limits they go for new route right. or they set up their own route or go for some route mm-hmm. which have not been repeated so Right. On a normal route, the Sherpa uh, who has the more experience, you know, we observe what condition it is, like uh, whether there's an ice wall, 
whether there is a snow field whether there is a rocky field and as per that there is a team of sherpas from every different company they come together mm-hmm. they go on the mountain they set up camps and you know they know the place where you have to set up a camp so they uh, okay. navigate and trail blaze and everything and then they set up the camp and then the others you know we follow the routes uh, the ropes are fixed so we follow those ropes wow. etc so depends on dholagiri this year till camp 2 we did not need or require ropes to be fixed so we navigated only the crevasses which we had to negotiate in between where we put a small rope piece of rope and then continued right. further yeah okay wow that's really interesting nice on everest and there is no. a on right. everest there is a different uh, thing so uh, above base camp on the south side that is from nepal um the, right. till camp 1 there is a uh, you know very treacherous and a dangerous stretch which is called the kumbu ice fall it's a moving okay. uh, ice fall and there uh, there is a spe- specialized team known as the ice fall doctors so a sherpa whose job is only okay. to open the route till camp 2 So after that, hmm. the other agencies or the companies they open the road. But till camp two, Correct. it is the duty of the ice fall doctors to navigate and break a proper trail. And this has been a tradition since years now. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and are these uh, sherpas like appointed by the government, or they're just like very experienced and they know how to do this? Or uh, no? So basically, if I I am to climb, I will hire an agency, a local Nepali agency. I'll climb with them. and uh, the right. sherpas work for that agency as a guide so uh, okay. the agency select what sherpas if i know many people now so i know who climbs faster who climbs at my speed or who climbs like me they are alike in climbing so then i can right. tell okay uh, i need pemba sherpa with me and i can take base camp services mm-hmm. from other company but i can take pemba sherpa mingma sherpa with me as a sherpa so i can decide uh, my own sherpa okay. now yeah got it got it awesome and i think about this uh, the moving lake which you spoke about i was seeing one of your reels and you mentioned that you can only pass this during the night and yeah. you can't uh, uh, go through this during, uh, in the morning yeah i mean you can but see the in the day time it's very unstable because of the heat the ice okay. melt and here yeah. it's like the ice towers are around 8200 feet sometimes beyond and if they crack and collapse oh. on you there you are there are no chances that you will be alive a uh, long back you right. know a few years ago there was a big avalanche in the kumbu and uh, i think around 13 or 14 sherpas they got caught and they got died in that avalanche it's oh, a man. it was a very big disaster and then uh, all the sherpas right. in uh, respect they called off that season and nobody climbed everest and everybody turned back so okay. yeah it's it's one of the most danger it's considered one of the most dangerous places to be and to right. uh, take uh, open a safe path or a passage Uh, it is the duty of an expert who is been there every year after year so that is why you know that right. team is specific and dedicated to that oh okay got it damn cool yeah so we've spoken we've already started speaking about mount everest and this is the part i am very excited about uh i want to know in detail as to what was your journey in uh, like climbing mount everest i know that you climbed a couple of uh, 8000 meter peaks and then you told that you uh, you started uh, training much more so what was that training like and also i know that climbing the mount everest costs a lot yeah. uh, there's a lot of sponsorship yeah. involved so can you tell us about this whole journey also as i said you know i prefer lots of endurance training <clears throat> because i know 
that uh, day after day year after year the mountain keeps on changing and also not just the mountain but what happens is uh, you know your skills uh, you have to upgrade them so as i said i did lots of rock climbing because you know to climb vertical you have to train vertical i started trail running uh, i am located a place where there is a hill nearby which is not that big but it has a very beautiful trail and uphill trail okay. so i started running there carrying weight and load etc and uh, then i started doing some ice climbing i started hiking in the himalayas doing 6000 meter peaks as a, you know pre climb for those peaks so that helped me prepare with my technique wow and uh, right sponsorship right. is something which i still find in difficult with over the years you know because uh, even after proving again and again i got a national award for adventure in india uh, for yeah. my achievements and all my climbs but still it is difficult to convince the sponsors because you know adventure uh, is something which is not so popular it, i would say it is not such a popular sport in india and uh, here it's about competition whereas adventure sports is more of an individual achievement and representing your country but in a different right. way here you you know you show your right. ethics you show your how your country looks like or you give a mini presentation to people but then it's not about winning medals or anything so then you know the attention of the sponsors to this sport is really difficult and especially when you have to bear so much pain some sponsors think okay so painful and dangerous why should i you know send him there to die so yeah that is also mindset yeah in the beginning i got for manasulu i got rejected by around 182 sponsors and yeah oh, okay. uh, the complete year i went door to door i you know went approach companies and i would sit in some corporate form for one week i used to go every day morning sit there till the evening come back home go sit wait there was no response and it got denied right. in fact on manaslu uh, till one day prior i had no sponsors and i did not book my tickets but suddenly i think you know that you say the call of the mountains so it was the call of the mountains where i realized that you know one day prior i got a call from a sponsor and they are like we will sponsor you like 50% of what you need are you willing i okay. said okay i'll manage and i had some right. savings and i'll put across that and everything so then finally it happened and uh, slowly as i started climbing some more sponsors some more brands started you know uh, getting involved and now today i think it's more um, uh, more than approaching the brands it is about influential marketing more on social media like on instagram etc so i'm trying to make a platform right. where i can earn my living from that from posting content and making content for the companies right. and it could support my climbing as well Mm-hmm. and this year uh, it was really right. difficult after the lockdown and everything so you know not much people are doing well as people are talking that we are supposed to hit a recession soon and everything so conditions are really you know economically going right. backward so this year i did a crowdfunding and uh, yeah it really worked and it helped me uh, gather funds etc and all but it's it's a never ending process you know like climbing to get sponsors yeah. you have to constantly be out and you know do so many things so i think i'm still trying to figure out right. and i'm trying my best to do whatever possible and get this sponsorship yeah yeah i think like getting rejected by like 182 companies for sponsorship but still uh, trying and moving forward shows like the passion you have for the mountains and uh, i want to talk more about like your whole experience like the start of your trekking experience uh, at mount everest before that 
how many days does it gen- generally take for say like an amateur trekker to do the mount everest i can't say amateur but like say uh, i i don't know how to a beginner this, but like yeah, a, a be- skilled be- trekker so basically yeah. uh, it depends uh, i would say uh, you know going easy is the best way around so maybe take a spare days of like 40 45 days and uh, that is just for the climbing i'm talking mm-hmm. about the training you can do it like endlessly but start one year prior to train yourself at least climb 2 okay. 6000 meter plus peaks before so that you are body you get to get your body gets mm-hmm. experienced if possible 1 6000 meter and 1 7000 meter so that will give you more of you know uh, your body uh, knowledge to you how your body responds how your body is what it should be done and right. how you can sustain the cold right. or not whether you can you know sustain the altitude or not etc and uh, yeah climbing everest you know just hiking to the base camp so uh, everest majorly is climbed through two routes so these are the two main routes that uh, people take one route is from the north side that is from tibet and one is from south that is from nepal so from the north the conditions are different you know the ice fall etc so you can drive till the base camp so it's completely different in the north but from the okay. south you have to hike so the last village is lukla you get you fly to lukla you start hiking till then and it's a very beautiful gradual trek till the base camp it takes around 8 to 9 days you reach base camp and acclimatize well and you know you can go nearby and you know uh, like have a you know good uh, session where you can get your body with the environment and acclimatize really great over there you can go to kalapatra you can go to you know gorakhpet etc after that begins actual okay. climb so few days of rest and then you start climbing so you establish camps like camp 1 camp 2 camp 3 so you do multiple rotations for me it's like uh, you know i fo- i follow the basic principle of acclimatization that is climb high sleep low so if i'm going to camp 1 okay. then i will not sleep at camp 1 i'll touch camp 1 i'll come back to base camp and sleep so now my body is acclimatized to camp 1 Okay. Then next time I'll okay. go to camp one. I'll sleep there. Then I'll go to camp two, touch camp two, and come back and sleep to camp. Right. So that is a okay. process. So maybe doing multiple rotation helps. Like two or three rotations should be enough, and then directly you go for the summit push. Got it. Got it. So you took a forty-five day. trek which maybe like if i do mount everest in a couple of years i might have to yeah. take 45 days and did it in 6 days yeah. right and that to everest and mount lots and you said like 2 days yeah. were harsh conditions yeah. so you could not climb anywhere so can you take us like the day to day things what and all you did like day 1 this is what you did sure. so uh, basically as i said you know before uh, i was i also organized treks and i lead them so before you know i did a batch of everest right. base camp I came back to Kathmandu, rest mm-hmm. for three days, and with my team again, I flew to Lukla and we started hiking again. So, uh, yeah, so uh, almost it took us eight days to reach base camp. After reaching, we took one day of rest. We, you know, just decided to uh, acclimatize and adjust. I had already been there, so I was well acclimatized. After that, uh, there is a right. peak called Lobuche East, which is around six thousand hundred meters. just nearby that so we went there we climbed that peak we came back so it took us three more days to do that and uh, next okay. few days you know on, on that mountain the weather keeps on changing sometimes it's good weather sometimes it's bad weather so we had to settle there for waiting for the weather window 
then we went up to the mountain so you know right. uh one day i went up the kumbu ice fall and i went till camp 1 and came back to base camp after that i did was i went to camp 1 i stayed one night there i went to camp 2 and i came back to camp 1 and then i descended back so it was my second rotation in my third rotation i directly went to camp 2 then next day i went to camp 3 lower a bit lower than the camp 3 that's the lotsi phase i almost like yeah i was around uh, somewhat around same uh, 6800 meters something nearly 7 and then turned back and then you know i came back to uh, uh, camp 2 one more night there and then came to base camp so now my body was acclimatized i did not have any headache or nausea or anything so now i was good to go for the right. summit push so we waited when we get you know 3 4 days of good weather window and then we can go and summit and yeah finally uh, we got this uh, window that okay 16th is going to be quite ideal but the ropes were not fixed the road team had not gone ahead so many people decided not to go but i said my team that okay we will go ahead and we will you know go for the summit push with the fixing team like right back there was a risk that if wow. you know the rope fixing doesn't happen and the fixing team cannot fix then there are chances that you know you'll have to turn back again and go up again with lots of energy and everything and food usage and everything but i said okay fine you know the weather is good and i think they will make it and as will be so then uh, we gathered for the summit push so we left from base camp we went to directly to camp 2 stayed two nights i stayed one more night at camp 2 so that you know body is prepared because you have to go a lot higher the next day from camp 2 to camp 3 camp 3 to camp 4 now camp 4 is the south pole and it's a um, very uh, you know deadly place because it's cold and the wind starts blowing from you know both the sides and you know it's like uh, yeah it's like uh, the wind has a good passage and the winds are very fierce like 60 to 80 kilometers per hour sometimes 100 kilometers per hour so we stayed few hours yeah. at uh, there and then at, on the night around 10:30 11 ish I started, uh, you know, summit push for Everest. Morning nine o'clock, I summited Mount Everest and I descended down to Camp Four. Uh, during that time, I saw somebody struggling, and there was one guy who was just lying dead there, half dead. I went and I saw that he is not, you know, able to breathe, and he was just lying there, and his oxygen was quite low. So I gave him, you know, a pumping right. in the chest, and then I increased his uh, oxygen. So not exactly CPR, but somewhat like that. and then he spoke that you know he submitted everest but he cannot he does not have water he is not able to eat and his shirpas have gone a bit ahead and he is uh, exhausted so i helped him i gave him my sneakers i gave him my hot water i carried him on my shoulder till a stretch and after that i got shirpa help and some oxygen and got him down and we evacuated him from there because the helicopters they cannot rescue so you have to wow. get him down so yeah and then it was too late right. so i stayed back at camp 4 and i spent one night at south pole that is the dead zone and uh, next day i was happy to hear that we could help him and save him and evacuate him safely from there yeah, so it was really good that you could save a life now the other aim was to climb lotse immediately but because of the harsh weather conditions it was not possible so i descended all the way to camp 2 and camp 2 is around 6400 meters very comfortable like base camp etc So then we, uh, you know, uh, two days of snowfall. The weather, I, I sat there, ate, uh, you know, energized myself and everything. And then 
I got a news uh, that 21 22 seems to be a good weather, ideal weather for summit. So uh, on the 21st of May, I immediately left from camp two morning and directly went to camp four. Skip camp three, directly went to camp four. And uh, that night, I left for the summit. So within uh, 24 hours, I submitted Lhotse. So it's like morning. I left five o'clock from camp two, and next day morning around six six thirty, I was at the summit of Lhotse, and then. Evening six thirty, wow. I descended all the way to camp one. Uh, yeah, it was real oh, quick. Okay. And the next day, I descended from there to camp base camp. And at base camp, you have a network. You get Wi-Fi because they have established Everest right. link there. And uh, everybody, the whole world, I mean, came to know that you know, submitted Everest Lhotse, and you know, uh, it has been a successful summit and got good wishes and everything. And uh, Uh, many people they were you know uh, uh, flying from base camp to Kathmandu directly, but I decided to enjoy this moment, and I hiked from there to Namche Bazar, that is forty-two kilometers approximately, uh, in one day. I descended all the way till there, wow. and then yeah, I reached Namche Bazar. I had a good uh, dinner there, good sleep after nine hours of hiking, uh, after climbing the ten loads there. And the next day we reached uh, Kathmandu. I mean, we went to Lubu, uh, Lukla. We took a helicopter and we went to Kathmandu. So that is when the journey really ended. When I was safe and sound back in the city. Wow, damn! I I think the last forty-two kilometers, which uh, you trekked or hiked down from uh, the base camp to the uh, nearby village. I think the, with the happiness you had, you wouldn't have even felt that forty-two. Oh yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, you know me and my Sherpa, and uh, uh, you know we just we were both of us. Everybody had gone back home. Uh, like they flew. Some climbers had flew to Kathmandu. Were climbing with me in my same team. But you know, right. I, I when I was uh, descending, you know, I was not thinking about you know anything or how I climbed or what I climbed, etc. Only thing I was thinking of what next. What can be done next? What to climb next? And that was right. only thing in my mind. And yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Everest Base Camp is a trail that is so beautiful. I uh, this year also I had a group. I you know uh, guided them to Everest Base Camp. Also in September, I'm having a group. I'll be guiding them to Base Camp. So now it's it's become a ritual. Wow. You have to go to Everest Base Camp <laughs> because it's such a beautiful place, and right. you know. Uh, You have tea houses, so the stay is comfortable, and you are, you know, walking beside a river, and you can hear that voice of the river. It's like more than detox. It's such an amazing feeling to experience this. So yeah. many peaks, Amadablam. Then you have, you know, you see Lhotse, you see Lhotse, then uh, you see uh, Cholatse, then Lobuche East, Lobuche West, then there's Tangtirkan. I can just go on and on and on, hundreds of peaks there, <laughs> and that view is so mesmerizing. Yeah. So I think you know if you are an adventure enthusiast, definitely uh, once in a lifetime you should visit Everest Base Camp. It is one of the most beautiful places. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's my yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the goal is to climb Everest. Let's see what happens. And yeah, as you mentioned, like once you climbed uh, Everest and let's say in six days, the government of India, uh, you know, gave you the Tenzing Norway yeah. National Award, and I think that must have been a proud moment for you. Oh yeah, I really felt very good, and you know, 
uh, over the years i was being on my own i was you know running here and there for sponsorship for training and everything and uh, when you accomplish your goals and when you know you have like this uh, backup or the government you know acknowledging you uh, it gives you more confidence and more uh, motivation to work harder to even push your limits more right. and more than that you know your parents uh, like my family who has been so supportive they felt okay the support was really worth because now it's like you know put into right. words in golden letters and it's there and it's going to stay throughout the lifetime and they are like right. so happy that you know uh, tomorrow they can give up an example the people who were criticizing they can tell no it was not at all uh, that you know it was completely bad yeah. so when people now congratulate yeah. them i feel happy for them that they have really made a wise decision right. and they let me live my dream and let me do it for my country because that feeling uh, even after getting the award i cannot tell you the feeling what it feels when i take that indian flag out on the top and when i represent my country and when i am you know uh, in my mind singing the national anthem and i feel no less proud than like a soldier who is at the borders definitely they are doing a job and they are working hard and everything but i am doing my bit through my field or my expertise so i am doing whatever possible Correct. and when i do that i really feel good and uh, yeah i mean uh, that is what you are alive for you know to have that best feeling and Correct. to be happy that gives yeah. me happiness and for me it's the best feeling that i have correct as you said like you know being at the summit and you know show, showing off the indian flag is like a mini presentation to the world that the capabilities of what india yeah. can do so yeah uh, like I, i congratulate a lot for, uh, on that achievement you. for you <laughs> yeah and uh, you mentioned one more interesting fact that you know while you were Uh, descending down you were like in your mind what's next right and what's next was project yeah. try summit that you yeah. wanted to do uh, this year so, so can you tell us a bit about what project try summit also uh, you know in 2019 i climbed uh, everest and lotse so i already climbed 28000 so now it was like you know climbing 38000 right. whether this is possible or not and you know whether i could do it or not so in 2020 3 yeah. at the same time so in the same season like spring is the season So right. in 2021, uh, I was doing Project Try Summit. So it, the part of the summit was to climb uh, Mount Annapurna One, Mount Dolagiri, and Mount Makalu. But what happened was, uh, you know, COVID was still around, and you know, we climbed Mount Annapurna One, and then I moved on to Mount Dolagiri. But at Dolagiri, uh, the weather conditions were not good. Lots of snow, and also COVID hit almost. out of the 82 somewhat climbers 60 were positive and at high altitudes okay. having covid is something very dangerous so we did not want to risk and there was a outbreak of covid at everest base camp also and other mountains also so we decided okay you know i did not want to risk much and i came back and then we stopped our project try summits in that year this year again i decided to do project try summits and we climbed dolagiri in the first phase secondly i went to mount kanchenjunga but 100 meters below the summit the weather turned bad and uh, i had to turn back but i got frostbitten on my uh, right uh, feet thumb and uh, to treat that i had to come back so again this year i couldn't achieve that but i keep trying so next year the aim is to climb kanchenjunga for sure and makalu which is the mountain left and i'm working hard to get sponsorships from now on and you know like uh, if i get 
good sponsorships it it means that you get good logistics you get good equipments and also along with that i am trying to do something you know like a variation on the route or something like that so still on the developing phase yet so hopefully we will be able to do it next year staying positive and you know working hard on yeah. it definitely i i am for sure know that you're going to do it next <laughs> year <laughs> so so yeah we've spoken a lot about the mountains you know uh, we can keep going on and on about the mountains but you know i want to get to know more about you and your career right so uh what are like the main difficulties you as a professional face uh, a mountaineering professional face uh, you know face in your career and in your personal life by choosing this path uh, a lot because as i said you know most of the time i spend in the mountains now so while i'm doing that i yeah. get very less family time and you know i see my family very less right and this year i will be getting married so i need to divide and give equal importance to my partner <laughs> as well so your family life right. is affected a lot but you know since they are supportive and they you know give me good support so it's like manageable apart from that also finances because this all is very expensive mm. so living like you know earning a living and sponsoring yourself also makes a lot of difference so i started my own trekking company called beyond altitudes where i hike with people and i train them i you know teach them also i train them on 6000 meter 7000 meter make them climb then achieve their goals but in a sustainable way not hurting nature much and you know uh like doing some good deeds like uh, maybe doing a clean up camping in the nature etc and everything so different types of uh, things that i teach like, basically it's like an outdoor education you know for people yeah okay oh, oh, right is it good yeah it's good edit this yeah and uh, you know uh, so uh, after starting my own startup like you know uh, then i decided what else can i do so trekking equipment is really expensive for young trekkers going out they spend so much money on the hike itself the logistics and everything and after that you have to spend like more money on the down jacket if you are going to a cold place the good trekking shoes etc and in india it's very expensive so i opened a store called climb on adventure store where i provided these equipments okay. to them on rental basis on hire and so they don't have to invest in this and you know it like if you are going for just one hike in a year it is not worth spending so much of amount and then you know it goes all waste and vain so uh, i started yeah i started providing them the, that and uh, yeah these are my two ventures and now i wish to train people and uh, you know uh, make them climb mount everest and all the 8000 meter peaks so i have started training a few and guiding them making uh, diet plans for them making training schedules for them what they should do and etc and yeah soon i will be guiding on mount everest also so i'll be you know um uh, people who are aspiring and want to climb with me i'll be personally going with them and guiding and you know making sure that they are comfortable and in good health so yeah that is how you know right. i maintain a living and sustain yeah that's amazing yeah i think like at least for like the general career path say like an engineer or a doctor there's like a set standard you know to this <laughs> this is the next step yeah. this is the next step for people like you you have to create your own path yes. like as you said now you you're going to become like a mountain influencer yeah. like people are going to know you on instagram and other social media as the guy who's 
who's going to show us the the views of the mountains so yeah it's uh, I, at least from my perspective it feels very uh, inspiring and uh, yeah i mean uh, uh, my uh, whole point was there are so many people who want to go outdoors and you want to go and see these mountains but they yeah. cannot either they cannot afford like manage sponsorships or either they cannot you know uh, cope up with the training or maybe the leaves etc for so many days correct so if they cannot go there why not bring it what are the views to them obviously i cannot create what the naked eye sees or you know that thing what is exactly okay. that but i can i am trying my best to at least show them and maybe you know this could motivate them okay now if i've seen this let's go there and see it you know like really really go there right so uh, that is my right. thing that you know bring more people to the nature make them connected what nature has been like a driving force to me and my career you know uh, maybe out of the hundreds of people that i make uh, or you know guide them at least even one person is benefited then that will be like a worth for me right so trying my best and yeah Definitely. doing whatever yeah. i can yeah i feel like you're doing an amazing work so yeah please uh, keep doing that and as you said like a lot of people in the recent years have uh, started uh, yeah. you know going on himalayan yeah. peaks like for example yeah. me itself like you know i started uh, doing the himalayan yeah. ranges in uh, 20 2018 yeah. 2019 and there's been a lot of demand like a lot of people are doing uh, are trying to do the everest base camp anapurna yeah. base camp and as i said a lot of yeah. people are training but i feel like the current system uh, it can't uh, cope up with the amount of people that are applying uh, for the mountaineering yeah. course the basic mountaineering course because recently i was checking i wanted to enroll into a, a mountaineering course and uh, the waitlist was for like one year like i could get a slot for the so now something that i'm working on this also so next year i'm collaborating with this institute and uh, i will be organizing a private course like a basic mountaineering course privately but with this institute so a private batch so i will get a batch of 20 to 22 participants and they don't have to wait they just have to enroll with me and we will be organizing this with collaborations from the institute so institutes are already they because see what happens is they have a certain protocol that they have to follow and they have to limit the courses right. but the amount of people who are applying for the courses has really gone high so now <clears throat> i'm doing a private course for them so with this the load on the institute also reduces uh, they can hire extra people uh, instructors for this and also the people mm-hmm. do not need to wait and they will get admission and you know they will get a good uh, course thing structure so yeah this is for next year so i think i will be able to you know get 20 25 people and uh, they i will be able to help them you know gain and take a step close to their dream right that's great yeah and like as you said like we need more instructors yeah. like you so that you can train people and i like i know the mountaineering fraternity is a very close knit and a very tightly knit community so uh, do you think there's like a recent increase in the number of people who are trying to climb mount everest like from whatever you've heard and seen in yeah India? definitely there's a there are huge numbers now uh, before it was only you know adventure enthusiasts who used to climb but nowadays it's like uh, everybody see definitely you know why not it's the highest point on the world and yeah. you know um, 
the reasons right. may be different like some people crying it for name fame some people crying it for a personal achievement some people climb it for passion right. some people climb it because you know uh, it's just there you know it's a mountain and why not so mm. many reasons differ but the uh, you know um, i would say the awareness has become so uh, much that everybody wants to prove themselves and you know do something or the other so uh, some people right. choose another field some people choose everest so i i mean there is nothing bad right. in that definitely you should climb why not but my point is that you should climb responsibly mm. you know without hurt, hurting the environment much like yeah. get all your waste when i was climbing mount everest i did not leave a single waste on the mountain in fact all our empty butane canisters right. i personally bought it down and along with that i around got 25 kgs right. of waste down the mountain with my gear and everything right so uh, you know uh, there is tons and tons of waste of years of expeditions and everything and there's left so many things so the government is also trying and many agencies are trying to you know do the clean up camps and bring it down but still it will take time but our goal should be not to add up to that pile you know already the pile is so much so we right. are trying to cut it down and yeah. bring it down but from our and at least what are what whatever we are taking on the mountain just bring it back so i tell people that you know if you are going for a hike or expedition or anything the only thing that you should leave behind is your footpath so you know your traces of your feet should be left on the mountain that's it nothing else apart from that whatever you carry bring it back so that it will not affect the people also and it should not affect the nature also uh got it got it yeah definitely because uh, from the recent news that i've seen is uh, himachal pradesh uh, uh, the government of himachal pradesh <coughs> banned all the treks that no other trekker can't uh, uh, like do the treks without their permission and uh, basically you have like lesser peaks to climb in yeah. india right now and I, i i feel a little sad about it but i hope uh, the government opens up all these peaks and the next question is a very personal and deep question Now, I want to climb the Mount Everest. Uh, how do you think I should plan this? Oh, uh, as I said, go slow and steady. Understand your body. If you do that, you don't need any help. Mm-hmm. So train hard. Be disciplined with the training mm-hmm. part. Include, you know, yoga. Yoga is a very right. good way to increase your lung capacity and your, you know, oxygen levels, etc. Then after that, you can, you know, start with uh, endurance training. The staircase climbing is, you know, one of the. Uh, then you can do running, cycling. at least make sure in a week four days you dedicate at least two hours to enduring activities like that okay one day maybe you do indoor rock climbing you have if you have a climbing gym nearby and uh, some day you do running some day you do cycling so not it is not necessary that you do every day because your body also needs to recover because you are breaking down muscle with such activities and extreme adventures and if your body does not recover then it is very difficult so you know good recovery is important good rest is important if you having a sore muscle do not push yourself because that could lead to injury so if you having a sore muscle relax rest let it heal and recover and then go for it so plan things in that way and i think yeah absolutely uh, once you have done that go to 16000 meter peak in india in nepal anywhere put your skills to test and once you do that you will understand if you can do a 6000 meter peak comfortably then jump to 7000 meters 
most of the 7000 meter peaks right. are in india and nepal maybe barunse nunkun then we have uh, many many other peaks like kamet etc so go for some of those peaks see how your body reacts to 7000 meters if you are really comfortable okay that now you will automatically understand if you are getting too much exhausted that means you need to work hard right. if you are doing it comfortably and you know without yeah. injuring yourself and without you know having any uh, bad days on the mountain then definitely you can push yourself and go for everest so i think that will be a very good procedure to enjoy the mountain right wow yeah thank yeah. you so much for this i'm going to put it in action and see where yeah. this takes me so uh, i want to end this podcast with two yeah. last questions what do you think is going to be the future of kevel and what are like the top 3 principles that the mountains have taught you ah uh, future i cannot predict but definitely it's going to be more and more mountains to climb and uh, i'm not stopping anywhere anytime and uh, yeah i mean uh, i look for a future in the mountains i look for things like you know uh, where i uh, help people also it's like before as a athlete i was right. looking at this graph you know that where i am going up but now i want to take people along so this graph should be like parallel to that and uh, you know do that sustainably and help nature and help people etc and secondly uh, you know uh, the second question that you asked i mean about uh, uh, i would say um, you know <laughs> it's uh, a tricky question though but uh, uh you know in the near future like um this point is really important with terms to uh, like a social thing or i would say global warming is the term right and now i'm doing uh, in the sayadris like lots of tourists and lots of people they come and they litter and you know uh they throw waste so i want to get associated right. somewhere in this field where i am able to remove that waste and help nature heal and you know uh, uh, act mm-hmm. somewhere to reduce global warming i mean definitely it's not going to go away or it's one mm-hmm. not going to stop but i i personally want yeah. to take this up as a cause for myself and uh, you know give my best to you know uh, reduce waste bring volunteers bring people involved in this and not you know uh, help like you know um, stop the littering basically just spread a campaign and do that right yeah. correct got it got it that's amazing and what are the learnings from are uh, the three learnings as i said you know to respect the nature and help save the nature so that's the first learning mm-hmm. uh the second learning is to be disciplined like you know if you are disciplined you can right. achieve anything and the third uh, learning that i would say is the major one is to stay positive you know uh, a positive right. approach makes a lot of difference i would say um uh climbing uh, climbing a mountain is secondary but first is to climb it from here mm. so from the base if i have decided that i have already right. climbed that mountain and i have been there things make more easier so you know um the first as i would put it that to save environment and to be a part of that to help environment you know not get destroyed and uh, the second is discipline and the third is positive approach. that's amazing kevin i think this is the perfect way to end the podcast 
thank you so much kevin for this amazing amazing call thank you so much for having me here it was really a pleasure to you know express my views and uh, get connected to the audience that you know will be listening to this and i tell them that you know uh, stay yeah. fit stay healthy stay happy do whatever you want it's not necessary that you know you need to climb everest to you know prove yourself uh, you may be a doctor True. you may be engineer you have your own everest in life to achieve them and uh, uh, yeah be happy and you know uh, keep on exploring new things so nature is definitely the best uh, that can heal you so if you are yeah. going there if you respect it it will definitely give good fruits to you so yeah sure like um, connect with the nature have a good lifestyle and uh, that's what you need thank you so much yes so that's it folks for today i'm said and this is lucid